Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to discuss the timeline of this season. Our episodes are not necessarily presented in the order we recorded them, and these conversations took place over the course of the past few months. Therefore, we may touch on some, but not all, current events. That being said, Victoria and I want to express our love and support for all using their voices for positive change. Hey guys, thank you for joining us. I'm Sarah DeForest. And I'm Victoria Banks. This is The Table, a podcast by and about women in the entertainment industry. Welcome to episode five, where we have a conversation with three women who worked under the legendary songwriter and producer Busby. Writer-artist Liv Moraldi, writer-artist Riley Roth, and publisher A&R Noreen Prunier. We invite you to pull up a chair and get super, super comfortable because everyone deserves a seat at The, the Table. table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think, and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't let them stop. Stop you, don't let them stop. Stop you, don't let them stop. Don't let them stop you. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about who Michael Busby was. Busby was a hit songwriter, record producer, publisher, record label executive, and multi instrumentalist. He was originally from Walnut Creek, California, and was at the forefront of both the pop and country markets. Busby worked with and in cuts with artists like Gwen Stefani, Maren Morris, Pink, Katy Perry, Keith Urban, Kelly Clarkson, Lady Antebellum, John Bellion, Florida Georgia Line, and so many more. In 2018, Busby started his own label, Altadena, in partnership with Warner Brother Records, Warner Chapel Music, and Red Light Management. He was a husband and a father of three young daughters and a fearless champion of women in the music industry. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2019, far before his time of brain cancer. Busby was not just widely respected and loved by those who knew him, but also deeply loved and admired by countless young creators who he inspired, including myself. This episode is dedicated to Busby and the incredible legacy he left behind. So we are going to go around and have everybody kind of give a little bit about who they are and what they do so you, the listeners, can get a feel for who we have on the quote-unquote panel today. Um, but Riley, why don't we start with you? Awesome. Yeah, my name is Riley Roth, and I am an artist and songwriter signed to Altadino Warner Chapel, um, which is Busby's uh, label co-venture with them, and um, I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. Liv? Yeah, so my name is Liv Moraldi, um, and I am a songwriter, also signed to Altadena and Warner Chapel. Um, I'm based in L.A., but I am quarantining in Cleveland. Woo-woo! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We are a multi-state podcast today. That's right. <laughs> and Noreen? Hey, I'm Noreen. Um, I've been A&R on the publishing side. I'm in Nashville right now, but soon to be in Los Angeles, like in two days. Yay! Yay! All right, so we are going to start off a little bit. We usually do rapid fire at the end of the episodes, but since there's multiple people, um, Vic is actually going to go ahead and ask all of you guys our five questions that we really want to know, our burning questions. Yeah, so um, we'll, uh, I guess we'll just kind of each take turns answering each question here. Mm -hmm. So favorite creator at the moment. Riley, do you have a favorite creator? Goodness, this is hard to pick one, but I would say as of late, I've been really, really into Ben Rector. His Ooh, music and just awesome. the way he tells stories. I'm just so drawn to it. And as the weather is warming up, it's great driving music. So yeah, I'd have to say him. Awesome. I love Ben. Uh, Liv, what about you? Um, Man, that's a great question. I think... Right now, I've been super into a lot of the female pop artists like Dagny and Tovlo, Fletcher. Those are some of my favorites. They have like really fun, quirky lyrics and great melodies. Okay. And Noreen? I'm going to go with Noah Cyrus. I love her mm -hmm. EP she just put out. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I don't know that one. It's really good. It's so good. Okay. What about uh, Riley? Favorite trend right now? Ooh. Um, my favorite trend I've been seeing, you know, I have yet to purchase one, but tie-dye sweatsuits definitely seem like the move right now. I've been seeing a lot of those on social media. I know, and yeah. especially during quarantine, I'm like, I want to be comfy and fashionable at the same time. So I was doing some online shopping last night, you know, trying to hop on that trend. 
<laughs> I just bought way too many sweatshirts. Too many. Can we just vote to stay in our sweat sweatsuits when we go back yes. to work? If collectively as a society, it's it's great. We should all. Yeah, so can we just make makeup go away and just have oh, our yeah. sweats? That would be fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, Liv, favorite trend. Okay, so I thought this was like music related. So I I I thought that um, 90s songs being sampled in R and B music right now is like my favorite thing ever. That is a great awesome. answer. I That's wholeheartedly answer. agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's such a good one. Noreen. Uh, this is embarrassing, but I'm gonna say Crocs. I feel like maybe it's not a trend, but like it's a trend in my household. I just bought like Crocs, like flip flops last night, and I'm like, they are so comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was like $17, they're super cute, and I don't regret buying them. You'll fit right into like Santa Monica, Marina Del Rey, like, yeah, yeah, right in there, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, next question. What trend do you wish would stop, Riley? Ooh, um, I'm going to stick on the fashion train. And I don't mean to be a hater, but I would have to say sneaker heels maybe aren't necessarily <laughs> my biggest vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw somebody wearing a pair the other day, so I guess it's maybe a trend still kind of floating around. But yeah. <laughs> okay, Liv trend that I wish would stop besides Crocs. No, I'm just kidding, Noreen. <laughs> um, trend that I wish would stop um, like maybe like thong bikinis. Mm. You know? Yes. But I'm really happy high-waisted ones are back. Oh my gosh. The high-waisted <laughs> ones are in and oh, I yeah. love that. Oh good. I went to the um, Key West Songwriters Festival and saw a real live like dude wearing a banana hammock that went over the shoulders. No. And I was like, that should not exist. <laughs> that should I don't not know exist. who like that can't be comfortable. No. I don't understand. You know, he was just doing it to make people go what yeah. the. <laughs> but just imagine like paying money for suspenders for your junk. Like that's oh, basically God. what that is. Horrible, horrible. Imagine like trying it on and being like, yeah, I'm gonna buy this and wear it in public. Right? <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Trendy wish would stop. Um, Noreen. Um, I think any streaming service like trying to start or like any channel trying to start their own streaming service, like the NBC one mm. and like forcing like our favorite shows to come off Netflix. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. It's like every single network has their own thing. Yeah. Like that's enough. Yeah, exactly. How many times do we have to pay monthly? Yeah, right. <laughs> Too many subscriptions. We might as well go back to cable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so this can be a tough one. So, the, well, when was the last time you failed, Riley? Oh my goodness. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is probably a relationship that I was in recently, where I feel like I was settling for a guy who didn't really treat me with the most respect without realizing it but coming out of that I don't know how much of a failure it was given the fact that I learned a lot from it Mm. um which is you know really all we can take away any good failure is is good for teaching you something for sure yeah yeah cool okay Liv I think um well this is very cliche but I don't like the word failure or like fail (laughs) because there's always something to learn I guess technically as a songwriter, um, most of the time you're failing every day because not every song is going to get cut. It's like one mm-hmm. in every, you know, 25 songs maybe gets cut or whatever. Um, and so I feel like you have to like change your perspective in our field to like, okay, what did I learn today or what made me feel like inspired today? Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Okay. And Noreen. I love that. Um, I totally agree too with that. Um, I mean, mine is like trying to do my own gel manicure. I just feel like it's it's not happening. It's everywhere. You gotta send us a picture of it. We'll we'll it just, like, post it, was, like, it for all, the episode. Like, on, like, my, my table. It was like none of it was like on my like finger. Love yeah, it. we need to well, post a picture. It'll just be like the episode cover art. Like, yeah, just yeah. your job. Real cute. Real cute. <laughs> okay, now a bit of a deep question. So, if you could go back in time and give the younger you some advice, what would you say, Riley? Um, if I could go back and tell a younger me something, it would probably be to 
appreciate where I'm at and not just focus on where I want to be. I think especially in um, music, I did that growing up. I was so focused on, um, like when I was 16 and first started making trips to Nashville, so focused on wanting to actually move here and be here and have a deal um, that I kind of gave up a little bit of just like being a normal high school teenager and like wish I would have just soaked up those last couple of years at home a bit more um and just to like appreciate every stage that you're at because there's a purpose for it yeah I love that okay Liv I would say keep going and don't doubt yourself I think I went through a lot of phases where I was like am I really good enough am I really you know supposed to be here you know can I can I compete with the best and I think you have to like have that confidence and I wish I had had more of that Mm. that's great too okay Noreen um I think mine is just like try not to compare your journey to someone else's which is impossible and I think we all deal with it every day and like social media doesn't help but especially in music like one person's path like may not work for someone else and I think um we constantly are beating ourselves up for not being where someone else is at so probably that that's a good one that's great awesome yeah. rapid fire answers everybody yay awesome. okay so kind of first off how has your experience as a woman been in the music industry or entertainment industry more broadly if there's is there anything that comes to mind um i can think of a time when i first started coming to town like i said i was 16 years old and I always found it very interesting um, when I was writing with these um, male writers who were older than me, kind of looking down upon me for being just like a young girl and kind of assuming that I didn't really have a lot to say or they would just like totally control the right, I guess. Um, But I say I learned a lot from that because it was really fun getting to kind of prove them wrong being like no I as a young female I can write a song and um I think now that's taught me a lot um to really you know use my voice and what I have to say and now I'm really really comfortable in the writing room so in a weird way I'm kind of grateful for that I love that Riley because that I mean I see that in you We, we write together all the time and you uh for how young you are you come in like guns ablazing with ideas and concepts and opinions and I think it's fantastic and and hopefully that kind of groundwork was set in that experience that you had from the start totally I look back on that and like yeah I'm like grateful for that because it it taught me to really prove myself in a room and and I just love the songwriting process and I love writing with you because you know we really work well together in that in that way likewise (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else, anything coming to mind for you guys? Yeah, I think for me, it's mostly been a positive experience. Of course, there are, every now and then you get, um, you know, stomped on in a room by a guy. Um, (laughs) But most of the time, it's been great. And I feel like I've been able to say kind of whatever I'm feeling, as shocking as it might be, and like, Mm I feel like men are are able to listen more now and and kind of take a step back and be like, okay, I can learn something from this woman or mm-hmm. in the room. When you guys were starting out, did did that happen less? Did they listen less? Obviously, you mentioned because of your youth and everything, but do you think that's attributed to the times we're in and the kind of Me Too movement that happened and is still going on? Or do you think that's just naturally you being more comfortable, you being in the industry longer, like? I think for me, it's been being in the industry longer and uh, just having more experience and being more comfortable and also just uh, the men I'm lucky enough to write with and be around are are men that really respect women and really respect me and and Mm -hmm. what I have to say. I mean, some of my favorite collaborators are men. Um, And yeah, it's just having that respect that you know I have a different perspective and different things to say and um you know that can definitely add to a right having that other perspective for sure well and in general it seems like 
learning to collaborate involves learning to be assertive for those of us who aren't necessarily naturally assertive. So learning to value your own opinion enough to to say what you think. And if you don't like the way the song's going or you don't like a particular line that's thrown out there to to feel comfortable expressing that. And so that's a learning curve for all of us, no matter what the situation is and, and what the gender of the people are that we're working with too. But definitely yeah. it's it makes sense that if there's a power dynamic there to start with of more experienced writers or potentially male, female, then it makes sense that that would be kind of prevalent in the room to start with. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's a good point. Noreen, was there anything that came to mind for you, your experience as a woman in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I've had both for sure, you know, where some rooms you're in, um, I'm like a man might not even look at me when they're like asking a question or like when like I'm speaking or something, they're like looking at the other person to like kind of like validate what I'm saying a little bit. But also being a positive, like when being a publisher, I think as a female, it's super helpful because it's like, a job where you have to be encouraging and nurturing and like kind of, you know, being like the nitty gritty of like the day to day. And like, not, we're not talking about just music all the time. We're talking about like your personal life and like, um, all of that. So mm-hmm. I think like it's been a positive to be a female in that way. And like, I feel like as females we're we're more prone to like build communities and like cultivate relationships. So I think it's a super great advantage to be a female in music i can uh, attest to everything noreen's saying because not only was she my publisher now she's my manager and so she is great i call her all the time um and talk about everything everything yeah Yeah. (laughs) and um i feel like you know able to do that because she's such a nurturing person and you know that's something i think all men can can uh work on yeah. yeah, it's a superpower for women. We've always been told that we too emotional or too connected or too whatever, but it's not really a negative. Everyone has emotions. Everyone goes through all of that, but women do really have a superpower of just kind of embracing that and turning it into something that is needed in the room. Yeah. So I love that. Liv, do you write a lot with men write a lot with women what's your balance like in your career yeah you know what um starting out it was mostly men um but you know as I kind of wrote for I don't know like three or four years I began to work with more female producers more female writers lots of female artists um but I would say like 60 percent of the people I work with are probably men yeah I always find that it's kind of like finding the golden nugget when you find a really great writer producer who's female, just because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, you can just work in slightly different emotional directions or different content, different melodic things with with a woman and um, having that track builder writer be in the room and still maintaining a room full of women is kind of fun. Like you write different things, I find that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's a different chemistry and all the all the different diversity in a writer's room has its own like wonderful magic, but there really is some kind of magic when you get to create with other women. Do you think the industry is different for women? And if so, how? You know, like are there specific things that stand out to you that are really huge differences? Um, I do think like from the female artist perspective, I've seen there be more uh maybe like it's easier the younger you are um and and it's harder the older you are as a woman just to break into the the industry totally yeah Yeah, that's a good point i also think there are being a female in country music there are different expectations on you Mm -hmm. um kind of like certain aspects have to be like perfect like almost seems like sometimes people like you have to look a certain way you have to sound a certain way and like I find that it's maybe not as much that for that way for men um just observing uh also sometimes it does kind of seem like the odds are stacked against you I mean uh country radio definitely seems like it has limited spots you know and yeah and I think some women that can create a very competitive mindset um which isn't helpful i think too it's like with the country versus pop markets like yeah like you said riley like the amount of country female artists are limited 
but in pop it's like almost like the females are dominating so it almost is like a strength to be a female especially in the pop space because you're like you have the the voice and perspective that so many artists are cutting and not necessarily in like the country space so it's like you like as a female in country i'm sure you like victoria i'm sure you have to do this all the time like running for a male country artist and you're just like okay let me like change my entire world view real fast yeah it's true step into some different shoes yeah yeah Yeah. it's actually funny that um i feel like there have been a few like guys in the music industry that have been eager to work with younger women just because they have that perspective that they don't have that they're not around anymore Mm. um and so Yeah. yeah it is kind of like a superpower to be a woman in pop at least yeah, that's a yeah. great point. Yeah. I I wonder, I know, Riley, you, you talked about, um, like, appearance and I know appearance and body image and stuff like that is definitely, there's a, a double standard there. And um, I wonder if there's, you know, where that pressure comes from. It Maybe it depends on what, what label you're on, like what your team is. But I do remember working years and years ago with, a couple of artists who, you know, females that were signed to record deals and the first thing that was done to them when they signed their deal was plastic surgery. And um, that was just like, okay, you know, one of them got her jaw set and moved because she had an overbite and one of them got a boob job. And it was like the label's decision, the label's suggestion, you know, strong suggestion (laughs) that that they do that. Um, And I don't know if that's still happening now or, I mean, do you see any of that? I guess, Noreen, maybe you would see if any of that's happening. I'm not sure. It it hasn't happened to me. I've been very fortunate to work with um, some really awesome people who've accepted me the way that I am. Um, And same with friends. I I have heard stories, um, not in the country world, of other young females being advised to get plastic surgery, um, which shocked me. One who was 16 years old. And I'm just like, whoa. And that's when I think girls are the most impressionable. So to be told that there's something wrong with your body while it's still growing and you're still figuring out who you are. Um, that's really, that's really scary. Um, also it's, it's odd to me because, you know, when you are given the platform to be an artist, you are a role model to other young girls. So to be told that like you have to alter your appearance, then all these young girls who like just can't and won't are looking up to that. If that makes sense. That's just like, Mm -hmm. that blows my mind, especially at 16 years old. Um, but I don't know how current that is or if that's you know still going on in in the country market at all yeah I've been very blessed not to have that happen to me I know for me like I started working in LA when I was 15 16 and one of the first things I heard when I really started working with like industry people was and this is super crass and they said it to me in a way that was like oh watch out for the people who have this mindset but then it was kind of like a wink wink like actually you should kind of think about this and it was you want girls to want to be you and guys to want to be in you and I was like 16 Mm. and I was like oh whoa (laughs) like and I was I really didn't like I didn't work with any women I was super new like thrown into this world and I was like I knew that was wrong and it wasn't something that I wanted to hinge my career on, but it was also something and I was like, is this the world that I'm in? Cause like, I am 100% a musician. This is what I want to do till the day I die. But I don't know if I could handle working in that kind of realm. Mm -hmm. Is it, have you experienced anything different in pop? You know, um, well, first of all, I'm so sorry. That's like, no one should be told that ever. Um, no matter the industry it was like you said good learning experience and it was something that did you know really showed true colors of people but it was always something that I as a woman think about in the industry and also watch out for when I work with young women yeah Yeah. you know I did the artist thing um, a few years back and I experienced some of that like being told to do my makeup a certain way and to only wear these brands and these colors because, mm-hmm. you know, and it got to a point where I was so suffocated. I felt like writing is where I gravitated towards just because I, I couldn't do that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even had like um, a mentor years ago 
um, who told me, like, make sure you, like, are in the gym constantly. Like, you need to be a certain weight. You need to, you know, of course, it came from a male. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, he's like, you know, if you don't take care of your body, like, it's not going to help you sell records. Yeah, so I've definitely seen a little bit of that. I've Since I've stepped away from the artist's side, I haven't experienced as much. Um, but I definitely think there's a certain standard of how artists come to sessions and how they must look and, mm-hmm. you know. I think on, on that side of it, too, what I've seen, I don't know if you've seen this live as, like, a top liner, but, like, almost, like, having to dress down as a top liner so that the artist doesn't almost feel, like, intimidated or, like, they want to feel like the artists in the room or like the mm-hmm. prettiest one and like you want to kind of build them up so they feel confident and like good in the session that you almost like wear sweats or like don't oh. wear any makeup to the session so that you almost don't make them feel like <laughs> any way especially like if you're like like good looking like I feel like it, it would be like intimidating sort of for like an artist to be like oh, like like I'm having to compete like in, the own, in my own session like or something like I've heard that situation yeah. before yeah yeah I think yeah. that yeah, that's a very real thing. I think Mozella might have touched on that in her and the writer is episode. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And yeah, I mean, it does go a long way. You want to make the artists feel comfortable and confident in their skin, and I there is something psychologically about if I show up with no makeup and in my sweatpants, like it does yeah. make a more comfortable environment. It's like ego politics, and it's not necessarily bad. Like you just got to do what the person feels comfortable with in the session, but. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. This isn't necessarily music business, but just entertainment industry. I actually started out in acting and I was just thinking about it as you guys were talking. And I remember I was 10 years old and somebody in the acting world told me, it's a 10 year old girl, you need to lose weight and um, you, your behind needs to be lifted. You need to start doing squats. Whoa, that is a child. You haven't even... I remember, I I am very fortunate to have a very great mother who kind of, mm-hmm. you know, told me otherwise leaving. And, wow. and I also luckily had pretty good self-esteem, but also, you know, again, 10 years old, still figuring yourself out. I mean, I was already self I went through a little chub phase and I was self-conscious yeah, about that. So to, yeah, so to have somebody else point that out was just awful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I mean, don't don't get me started about weight. I mean, I think our our society has such messed up ideas of what bodies are supposed to look like in general. But I mean, that that reminds me of um, one of my friends that I used to write with, who was um, an artist on the um, RCA label, and she, you know, she she has a naturally like beautiful normal weight body and she as soon as she got signed the label was on her to lose weight lose weight lose weight and she would have to work out and work out and diet and diet and diet and then she was talking about one time she was at you know fan fest or fanfare what it was back then and she was signing autographs and she was leaning forward to sign autographs and she had this kind of midriff shirt on and and when she leaned forward her stomach like folded because your skin folds when you lean forward and the label head was there and reached over and pitched her stomach and said oh you gotta roll (laughs) you gotta lose that Oh my God. And she was like, that's the thinnest I've ever been in my whole life. And it was still a roll because my skin folded. (laughs) So there's some crazy ideas. Can you imagine like a label head touching your like stomach now? That is like definitely harassment. I know it is. And thank God we're in an era now when I think people are starting to understand that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a friend who was in the modeling world and she had signed to a modeling agency and they were asking her to shave part of her hip bone like to to so that you know she wasn't like as shave curvy. the actual bone the actual like bone surgery? yeah oh, wow. which i don't i don't think i'm not sure but i think it would make childbirth harder for her and all sorts of things and mm-hmm. she was like i'm not doing that she ended up on the cover of vogue in like other countries and wow. doing just fine Crazy. in her career it's just like you don't have to listen to what one person's opinion is yeah to make it and yeah ideals of beauty change so often too that that's something irreversible like that that isn't your idea or medically necessary something that you want is such a ridiculous thing to ask someone to do 
in order to help them with their career. And the entertainment industry is so subjective. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you could do, she could have gotten her bone shaved and then gone to a meeting like the next day and been like, why is your like bone so skinny? You're like, (laughs) you're a god. Like, I can't do anything right. Like, it's like insane. I, I was thinking about this just the other day, I, I listened to an episode of Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. I don't know if you guys listen to that, but it's one yeah, of my favorites. It. And the America Ferrera episode was incredible. And she just kind of, they inherently had this discussion of women in entertainment. And she said that later on when she was doing Superstore just a couple years ago, you know, she's the head of this huge TV show and she's the star and she really wanted to direct but didn't feel like she had the talent or the ability to ask and then there were these couple like C-list male actors that were you know guest starring on an episode or two and and she was like oh why are you guys back and they were like oh we're directing this next episode and she was like she was like I can't believe I felt like I didn't have the right to ask to direct when this is like pretty much my show and it it made me wonder because I know it made me reflect on things that I definitely bias that I put on myself as a woman that I didn't realize I was even you know putting on myself but can you think of anything that comes up for you guys like that because it was shocking for me to be like oh shoot I we've all (laughs) done that that. yeah oh my gosh for me like it's when it's like negotiating a raise Mm. or like when you're asking a salary when you are starting a new company starting a new company or anything like I've had so many like horrible experiences with that where like, like I'll be like, oh yeah, like they'll give you a number and you're like, oh, this is what I'm worth. Like, this is what I'm valued. Like I, you like, you don't even like ask for anything more. And like my husband like has no qualms being like, oh yeah, I deserve this much. I'm like what? Like, mm-hmm. I think women see their potential based on what they've done, their accomplishments and then see on their potential and like what they can do. So it's like, that's why I think a lot of times like men are asking for more money because I think they deserve that. And women are kind of like, oh, I haven't earned that yet. So mm-hmm. like I've been in so many situations now talking to friends who make so much less money than like male counterparts because mm-hmm. like they just don't think they deserve it. And it's like, we have to kind of just change our mindset of that, you know? That's a great way to describe it. I, I don't think I've ever heard it quite put like that, but I've had loads of friends that have been through the same thing and it's, do you find have you ever experienced on the flip side when you do ask for what you feel like you deserve they're more hesitant to give it to you than they would a guy because I've experienced that like I started when I was young I I was in business and the only girl at a company and was super young and I definitely experienced that and I'm like why are you giving this guy this much money he doesn't do anything totally yeah no I've had that for sure and then like they have had people even like tell other people like how much I've asked like Mm. um I'm like that's just so wild to me but like I think it's a difference now like I'm working for a woman and like it was not even like a question it was just like she's like yeah I'll make it work like it's like if you if you value someone like want them like that to me that makes like no sense why you wouldn't want to pay them what they think they should deserve you know yeah that's amazing because you know the like I think Riley mentioned earlier, not every woman is gonna be supportive of other women because we have unintentionally a little bit ourselves and also outside forces kind of cultivated this we are each other's competition. And it's like one of my favorite quotes is patriarchy has no gender because it really is like, you know, everyone can have a harmful mindset. And a lot of times, you know, women can even perpetuate those things. So it's really wonderful that you've found yourself in a creative space that fully, fully supports you. What about um, you guys, Riley and Liv? Um, I would say that this isn't necessarily something I inflicted on myself, but it is something that I noticed. Anytime I've stood up for myself in front of a man, I've noticed them kind of being like shocked, like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you a woman like a woman just did that or you just did that." And and I find that that doesn't happen as much if a man stands up to a man. Like I think yeah. a lot of times there's just kind of this thing like, "Oh, women are just, you know, we're just going to be quiet." And um, interesting. That's been interesting. I think another time too, I don't know why like this is coming to mind, but I was going to go get new tires on my car. And I, I can't remember what exactly I said, but I was like, oh, like the tread is like this and this. And I was like, I checked this one like this. And I literally said all that information and he just assumed I was uneducated on it. And he, 
after I said that, he repeated, oh yeah, this is how you do this. The tread is like this. And I was, in my, my mind, I was like, yeah, I, I just said that. Is this because I'm a woman that you're mm-hmm. explaining this, even though I already explained it to you? <laughs> that just made me chuckle. But there, I mean, there have been a few instances like that yeah. for sure. Yeah. I had something like that. The I think the first time that I really realized specific to music that I was like it the gender thing would be a little a bit of an issue was at a garage uh, a guitar center in the bay area i'm from bay area california and um i went with a guy friend of mine and i was already like actively working in music in la and i was still in high school it's probably like six, 17 and he went to to look at guitars i went to buy a guitar and immediately when we walked in all the like middle-aged male sales attendants flocked to him and they were talking about and I was like okay I'll find my own way and like went and found the guitar I wanted and they tried to upsell me and tell me features were better when I knew they weren't and all this stuff and so we were but he's buying a guitar too we both go up to the counter and we've been there for like three hours and no one's come up to me except for to to try and upsell me something and he goes to check out and I'm sitting there for like 15 minutes and then one of the guys turns to me and he's like oh do you play guitar too and I'm like I'm buying a guitar <laughs> like I don't know how much more clear I could be like and it's it was just something and then he was like oh okay cool and then like they just kind of ignore me till they were done with him and they're like oh we'll get you checked out too and I was like there's four of you over there oh my gosh that's like, crazy they're just super random things and I was like Am I in the twilight zone? <laughs> like, this is so weird. Well, it's all like assumptions people make, right? When they, they size yeah. you up from <laughs> what you look like, walking in the door and make an assumption. Make an assumption you don't know how a car works. Make an assumption you don't know how to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's interesting. What about you, Liv? I think where I've seen like that the most is probably with negotiating splits. I always Mm -hmm. ask for what I think I deserve, even though it makes me so uncomfortable because I think it sets a precedent, like kind of like what America Ferrera was talking about, how, you know, if she doesn't speak up, no one's going to think of her to direct a film or direct Mm -hmm. an episode, whatever, you know, and it's kind of like if you don't ask for what you think you deserve, you'll never get it. Um, and so even though sometimes it prevents projects from be- coming out because I won't settle for anything less than what I think I deserve, um, I can sleep at night comfortably knowing I fought for myself. Wow, good for you. That's hard. Yes. That's hard to get to that point of confidence. I mean, how did you get to that, to that point of having, that, having enough confidence to say this is what I deserve? It's a good question. I think it was a combination of kind of seeing what my guy friends were getting versus what I was getting. And um, also talking to females on the industry side that I really respect um, and kind of just growing a backbone and eventually being like, no more. I'm not going to I'm not going to take this anymore because I I don't want to because, you know, we create our own reality. And so I was allowing that for so long. And um, mm-hmm. I think I just kind of grew out of it. That's amazing. Once you, that once you set that precedent, too, it's like you're, you know, that's what people are going to expect from you the next time, mm-hmm. too. Right. Yeah. That's not something I think even, you know, writers who have been in it for 20, 30 years can sometimes bring themselves to do or on the flip side, maybe they don't have a team that supports them in doing that. Um, so to me, that is incredibly inspiring. That's really like brave and, and incredible for you to do that for yourself because you're right, it does. And it sets a precedent for other women too. Um, you're setting the stage. That's well, awesome. and if you have any guy friends that you're comfortable enough talking to about this stuff and kind of being like, so what What are your thoughts on you know this experience mm-hmm. or being asked to do this for this much or whatever and I was getting to the point where my guy friends were kind of like you did what they'd be like you just got robbed you know Mm -hmm. so did that change for you when you so because like Nashville a lot of times it's just everyone's equal the Nashville split that's mostly how a lot of country works and did you find it difficult to kind of extract yourself from that or and does it do you ever write like specifically country stuff where you ask for what you think you deserve and people give pushback because they want it to just be equal yeah so I don't really do much country um anymore so but I 
you know, I spent six years in Nashville, so I took that mm-hmm. mentality to LA. And for the most part, it's been pretty easy going. It's kind of like more in the sync world where if I put my vocals mm-hmm. on it, it's more the master side and negotiating those splits. And sure. um, sometimes in, in the more urban world, the producers ask for more than they would in pop. So it can get mm-hmm. really hairy. Everybody has it comes from a different culture, you know. When you're writing with producers mm-hmm. in Atlanta versus LA versus Nashville versus New York, I mean, like everybody has a different way of doing things, and so it's like being like, okay, here are my boundaries. Here's what I need, and asking for your needs to be met. Wow, awesome. Well, that's great, man. It's great conversations. I'm, this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah. the the one um, tie that pulls all three of you together is Busby who you know a, an amazing tremendous songwriter producer mentor um, and we just wanted to to talk a little bit about him and how he championed you and what that experience was like because for those of you listeners who don't know Busby um, passed away late last year well before his time and um, left a big hole in the industry when when he went and um, he mentored and championed women in a way that not a lot of people do. How did you guys each meet Busby? I met Busby through Daniel Lee, who was formerly at BMG, but is now um, at Altadena Warner Chapel, and they had a partnership going. Um, I think I was 18 years old, and Daniel and I were talking about working together, and he was like, well, I want to set you up um, on a right with my friend Busby, and I was like, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, and so I wrote with him for the first time. We um, we went and got dinner. Uh, gosh, where was it? Burger Up and just chatted and then wrote a song. It's actually funny. Um, I was like super getting over a cold. And like I was on so much cold medicine when I had that right. Like I like to be very present in the writing room. And I think I wrote maybe one line in that whole song. And I remember coming home from that, right? My mom was actually visiting me and I came in and I laid my guitar down and I just like fell face down in the bed. I was like, I blew it. But Busby saw something in me and um, we've been working together ever since. And uh, it was really awesome. Yeah. What about you, Liv? How did you first meet him? I met Busby through Noreen. Um, It was during country music awards. I think there was an after party. And, um, Noreen, do you remember the name of that restaurant in Germantown across from Red Light? Uh, Adele's. Adele's. Yeah, we were at Adele's. And um, I got to meet him briefly. Um, and it would be a year later before we would actually start working together. Um, but I just remember he was in, like, a velvet suit. And I was like, this guy <laughs> is important. He's important. He was so nice, though. The confidence to rock a velvet suit. I, yeah, love, I know. Love it. What about you, Noreen? So I met Busby um, when I was at BMG. I was the receptionist there. Um, and he was interested in working with an artist that I was like helping on the side. And Daniel kind of introduced us and um, started kind of just setting songs back and forth and like basically working for him before I was, you know, how he is. Of course, everyone is a free boy sometimes <laughs> in the best way. Um, so yeah, like then was working with him for a little bit and then um, he asked me to come aboard on Alpadina to start his company with him, um, with Daniel, about maybe like two years ago. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we met. And how how did he kind of personally champion each one of you? Because if my memory serves me correctly, he was one of the first men in the industry that was like a really big deal to come out and just wholeheartedly speak out publicly for women and really champion people and kind of walk the walk and talk the talk. So how did how did that relationship blossom into you guys all working together and how did you feel and see his championship in your careers? Um, I would say for me, I never like felt any different being a woman when I was in the room with him in the writing room in the studio I never felt inferior like there were other moments working with other men where that would feel like oh yeah I'm I'm a female but like I just felt like I was his equal and um one thing that I love loved about Busby was he such a like a cool calm and collected presence and yet was super honest and open about like he had days where he was insecure about his art 
and um, just reminded me like, oh my gosh, this person with all this success is like so human. And he really, really, really cared about you. Like not just as an artist, but always asked like, how are you doing? What can I do for you? Um, which made it really easy to write and create together. I mean, Nor that was one thing that I loved about working with you, Noreen, was how much you really care about everyone that you work with. Thank you. Gold's easy when you are easy to care for. Aw. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, I so I was one of the last people that Busby signed. I think I signed like three weeks before he actually passed away. Um, but I got to work with him in L.A. And I remember in our session, one of the first things he told me was, in this room, we are equals, like, my ideas aren't better than yours you know like don't like feel free to tell me if you hate something like he just made it very comfortable and um I actually had an experience uh while I was out there he he uh called me to see how a session had gone and um the session was with this guy and you know I won't say names but it didn't really go well I didn't feel um like I I felt like walked over in the session and you know it just wasn't a good mix and he called me and he's like hey I just wanted to check in and see how your week's going out here and then he specifically asked me about this session and I remember I lied to him I said I was like it was good you know <laughs> you know tone, and tone of voice. yeah you know that tone of voice and later I got back to him that um I wasn't fully honest and he pulled me aside and he's like listen I have three daughters like you can tell me like I know we're both trying to impress each other because we're new to working with each other but like please be transparent you never if you don't feel comfortable somewhere you never have to go back I will never make you go back there and he really in a lot of ways like it felt like a having like a father figure looking out for you in in the industry because you knew like if you were working with Busby like you were going to be protected in in some ways so I'll never wow, what forget an amazing that thing. yeah I love that it's I mean how many times as, as women in this industry do, we put ourselves in uncomfortable places over and over again um, and feel like we're, we have to do it. And, you know, having somebody support you in, yeah. in that way and say, hey, you don't have to do that. And, and basically saying that's giving you permission to, to do what feels right to you and still have a chance at success, mm -hmm. right? Because totally. he should know he's a successful guy. Totally. And, and you know, I think sometimes- Sacrifice that for your success. Oh, sorry, I, my computer just No, it's lied. fine. No, no, go ahead. Um, go ahead. But I think sometimes, you know, and I, I think I said this to him, is like, I didn't want to come off as difficult to work with. He was like, why would I think you're difficult to work with? You know, and and it's it never occurred to me as a woman, like, I feel like there's this extra pressure to, like, be easygoing and say mm -hmm. yes to everything. And so it was a good learning experience for sure. And if someone thinks you're difficult for speaking your truth and telling someone when something doesn't work for you that's not the kind of person you want on your team and you know not everyone has that experience like we were saying earlier when we were talking about body image like certain creative homes are places that want to control and and force you into situations you may not want to be in and he from what we can already tell seems like the the perfect place to grow your talent into something that is nothing but successful and positive definitely love it totally um noreen was there anything specific in the way that he championed you because he like you really kind of spread your wings and and got to do so many different things and be super hand hands-on and I remember when when we were talking you were just saying how much he asked you for your opinion and asked you what you thought of things which was um something that at the time you were like why why are you asking me this but it really gave you a great opportunity are there things about his championship of you that were unique yeah no exactly I think I think asking my opinion was huge and making me feel like my voice mattered and like my taste mattered. And um, I mean, he, he was, you know, an amazing A&R himself too. Like, I feel like he's better than some A&Rs I know. Like he was sending me artists all the time and songs to listen to. And um, so 
so the fact that he like asked my opinion I think was huge for me because I was like wow he like really knows what he's talking about um but I think also too like the trust and freedom he gave me a lot of the time too and um I was you know helping him book sessions and co-writes and stuff too and um for me like a 22 or 3 year old like booking a someone his caliber was like a huge deal and um it gave me a, like a lot of access to people and it, the trust to i was you know putting on pop hangs and like doing other stuff outside of just like my job mm-hmm. but he was super supportive of it and like wanted to even like join it and help them and you know he came to one of them and gave feedback for like four hours to kids and stuff so like i don't know i think he had a lot of trust too um but yeah, and I think like it was always like his contacts were like our contacts. I never felt like anything was like out of reach. He was super open um, and like to do meetings and stuff with me. And um, yeah, I think I think he just he was just very generous with like his time too and like advice. And like I think we all, no matter who texted him, whenever like on the Athena side, I think he would respond like immediately, like fast. So you're like. You're probably doing like six things right now. Like you probably shouldn't respond as fast. Um, so yeah, and no, I never felt like annoying either. Like all those things. I will add to that point. I think that I've never met somebody as busy as Busby, but who also never dropped the ball. Like he would get things done right away. And like, I was never expecting that. Like I would text him like, hey, when you get a chance. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm on it. Like, there was never a time where he failed to just, like, get stuff done and do it right. Like, I was just, I would just sit there in awe. Like, how do you balance it all? You are a wizard. <laughs> yeah. The, one of the things that, um, Noreen, again, you, you said something, and I don't know if you, like, really thought about it when you said it, but um, you mentioned how he wrote so many songs, like, a really big portion of his catalog is female oriented like he didn't write a huge amount of songs that were like quote-unquote male songs and so that in and of itself is a super unique thing for a male writer and producer to kind of specialize in and and really go full force into is there did you guys ever experience specifically working with him you you both mentioned uh Liv and Riley just feeling super at ease with him in the room but was there anything about the way he he wrote in general that really was super different than other men you'd work with I would just say he was very outwardly encouraging like if he thought he would just be like this is super dope like if he thought a part that we were writing was awesome or if he could tell that you know I was maybe insecure I had something I wasn't saying he's like no 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 tell me like he was just very easy to be vulnerable with so I think with that you know it was really easy to write a real honest song with him how about you Liv what was your experience my experience with him um for me he when we went to write in LA I he had only heard all these demos of songs that I'd written about how angry I am with men and you know like I don't know if I can cuss on here, but... Go for it. Okay, (laughs) no, like, all all my songs were like, fuck boys. I had a song called, like, fuck you, Steve, like, just angry. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, this, like, nice father is, like, inviting me to his home to write with him. And um, he, I had, like, this notebook of ideas prepared for for months leading up to our first um, session. And... um, (laughs) <laughs> like you, Riley, I showed up at the wrong house and I was like, I blew it. I blew it. Um, but he came out and got me from his neighbor's house and he went in and he's like, I had this hook idea. And I really think he was intentional because the hook he had was um, about how I want somebody to treat me well instead of my anger towards men just being like, fuck you, fuck you. It's like, here's what I need. Here's what I want. And I really think he intentionally was like, this is what this kid needs to say. And she hasn't said it yet. Um, and so that was really refreshing. He's so intentional in that way. It's such a good way of doing that. Like he would hear you out and like, listen to you, but then like also kind of be like, but have you ever thought of it like this way? And just like, kind of like plant a little seed and be like, oh, like it's like a different perspective. And it like totally changes your outlook on stuff. It's really beautiful. Wow. Noreen, when you were speaking about 
him letting you kind of schedule rights and and do stuff like that that someone your age may not necessarily get the chance to do did you ever experience other people in the industry or people in similar positions as you be like why does she get to do this why are you putting so much trust into her did that ever happen at least to your knowledge if it did i didn't know about it if it was coming like on his side Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it definitely was weird maybe from like um peers i guess um like not having as much um freedom and i was doing a lot more than like what other people were doing at my age um but yeah i don't know if 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 it was coming from like maybe like more higher up people then he never told me that's the best that's the best to just have so much confidence i I was just curious because and same to, to live in riley Victoria and I have talked about um, having meetings with people or experiences or they're like, we'd be crazy to sign a woman right now. Or, you know, my writers just don't really want to write with women unless they're like Carrie Underwood. Did you guys ever experience something like that? I don't think so. Similar to Noreen, like if people were saying stuff like not that I know of. um, I'm sure it came up like because like that is some very common thing of like, oh, well, you already have like a female artist. Oh, you already have another female writer. Like, mm-hmm. why do you need two? Like, I'm sure that has like came up, but like, yeah, like you said, like he doesn't care. Like yeah. he, he just, he, when he gravitated towards talents and like ninjas and like dope people, he was like, okay, if you're good, like it doesn't matter, you know? I think Busby was somebody who grew up around a lot of women. He has a couple sisters and his, I know his mom was super important in his life and he had three daughters, you know, and half over half his company on the business side were females. So I feel like he was comfortable interacting with females and kind of championing, champion, I can't say it championing them (laughs) yeah Yeah, so um i think that also kind of gave him an edge and like that was part of his superpower beyond the writing Mm -hmm. for sure that's great so so i guess that kind of brings us to the question how do you feel that you and other people in the industry can continue busby's legacy i mean i feel like it's a huge honor that he kind of chose us to to carry on his legacy um and i think that we have the opportunity to take the lessons we learned from him and kind of take them out into our sessions and share them with the world and i think that's kind of our responsibility now 100 percent, yeah um i think just the way that he treated people and how hard he worked i mean i learned so much from him in that regard so taking that into my sessions for sure and like I think about all the time like when I write a song that I like like in the back of my mind I'm like I'm hoping I hope I'm making you proud buzz like um so just continuing to work really hard in his honor I mean yeah so many lessons that he taught us taking that with us every day when we create yeah I think just yeah the level of like how much he cared about relationships and friendships and like the to the very like you know gift we're giving people for Christmas like I remember like that was like a multi-day process to find the right gift to like give people and like the right kind of flowers was like a huge thing like if he was like sending flowers like say thank you he was like texting me he's like we got to use this company this is way better like it's like he really cared about like like his reputation um with like relationships and you know if he showed up to a session and someone's like oh hey like I like your shoes like the next time he saw them he would like show up with the same pair you know for them and like you know sending people you know thoughtful like emails and like going out of his way to like let people know you know they're doing a good job and like they're crushing it and like um I think yeah it's just he was super generous with his time he like did a lot of, you know, panels and, um, like, events and, like, a lot of charity stuff. I think um, he thought, like, about music outside of just, like, writing songs, too, and just how we can all, like, impact each other. And, like, he, you know, brought, like, his faith into everything he did, too. He was very intentional, and I felt like um, every everything he did, like, he thought about a lot, and, like, there was never um something that like was an accident it was all just like part of 
a plan he had and like someone that you know was juggling many things and just was like a bigger dreamer than all of us probably put together just like had such cool ideas and was like just thought out of the box for everything and like you're like man I wish I had some like an ounce of his like creativity sometimes you know um yeah there's so many things wow I love that it's uh, having been at his musical memorial service at City Winery in Nashville um it really kind of brought to life how loved everybody felt by him. And it seems like he was just really good at showing you that you were important and showing you that you were loved and respected and went out of his way to, to do that. I love that. Something to, we could all aspire to. Totally. Yeah, no, it's like the amount of people that felt so close to him and like, felt like they were like his best friend, like that's super special. And I think like it takes someone like that, who's just like a whole different level to achieve that. Totally. One of my favorite things about Busby is is I had a friend who was texting him and it was right before Christmas break and he was saying how he was staying in Nashville, wasn't going home for Christmas because he couldn't afford a flight home and Busby surprised him and bought him a flight home and said, you need to go be with your family. And that about made me cry, just like the generosity there. And also I didn't know Busby personally, uh, obviously pre-success, but just the fact that he was a person with so much success but yet so genuine and really just you you felt like you were his equal and i think that that is such a rarity yeah i think that's a a perfect lead into our our last kind of open-ended question which is all professional things aside what do you want listeners whether or not they were familiar with him beforehand what do you want them to know about him and take away from his life and career? I think for me, he was such a role model in achieving like family and career success. And I think a lot of times it's like, well, people think you can only have a family or be successful in music. And he managed to do both really beautifully. Um, And I think like that was a, a big lesson to take away is like you can have it all um and also like that you know it's it's not it's more about the journey and the and the friends you're w- doing things and growing with and building with um that matter over the the success you achieve because he's he would say there's always going to be the next thing you know you're going to want a million dollars and then you get a million dollars and then you want this and then you get that and you're still not happy so like enjoy where you are and who who you're with i would say it's really hard in life to wow a lot of people with your talent and success but i think it's even harder to wow people with your heart and and who you are and i think busby was able to do both super well and I think that that is a really big rarity and something that I really admire and and strive to be just to be able to wow people with my heart and and caring and I hope to make people feel as loved as as he did and I think that's another way that we can um carry on his legacy yeah I think all that for sure and like he was just very um magnetic and like someone that everyone wanted to be around and like talking about you know building community and cultivating like um a place that people want to be and like a family to be a part of and like you know a company that people want to be signed to and like you know like a friendship circle you want to be in a church you want to be involved with and like he had a way of like making everyone feel like they were inclusive they were they were included in it but like the people that were in those circles were special too so it's like it wasn't exclusive but like was also you know I feel like great at making people feel like in the thing, in the circle kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's so many things. I think someone too that, yeah, always strived for like the next level and didn't settle for like second best um, was just really kind. And um, yeah, I think what Liv said too about like his values and um, not, you know, having to choose um, family versus work. Um yeah, I don't know. I think there's just so many things. I feel like we need to write like a yeah. memoir or something. <laughs> I think you guys touched really all on the big important things. And we really thank you guys for taking the time to talk with us about your experience as women and also your experience with Busby because um, I think 
the world's really curious about it and we could all use a little bit more of that kindness and creativity so thank you ladies i think he would have loved that you guys are doing this and um thanks for letting us be a part of it and keeping buzz's memory alive To stay up to date on all things The Table on social media, join us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at sign The Table Women. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Our theme song, Stop You, is written and performed by yours truly, Sarah DeFores, co-written by Taylor Foley and Will McBeth, and produced by Will McBeth. We'll see you next time on The The Table. Table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop.